Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Joe Genie. This is an emergency episode of Ambassadors at Large. People are going to die if we don't record this right now. <laughs> and hello and welcome to the podcast. Um, I am delighted to have my good friend Ethan Chang uh, uh, also on the call, calling in from Seattle. And uh, we are going to, There's. it has been an eventful news day, and we are going to talk all about it. Uh, Ethan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me. You are the first person, I believe, to uh, make three appearances on this podcast. Well, I'm honored. This is, uh, how many podcasts have we done together? Like 150? Something yeah, like that? No. <laughs> I lost count. There, there were a bunch of reunion episodes. This is this is not our first podcast rodeo, um, uh, etc. Um, uh, alongside me, I am delighted to introduce a bottle of Talisker 10, which has actually made more than, than three appearances on this podcast, um, but oh, has never been is... introduced <laughs> till now. <laughs> I've got I've got my my stash like within eyeshot right now. Let me let's let's like figure out what we're talking about, and then I might uh, I might hit some of that up. Okay, we do we do mild edits on this podcast. Probably not this time though, because we are uh, we are recording, and this is going to go out on the air tonight. It has to for reasons we're going to explain because mm-hmm. uh things might be out of date by the time we finish recording like people a little bit of it is actually already uh, there, there was a development that uh that happened after you asked me to do this uh, we, i uh, we can get to of, it yeah we, we'll, it was we'll it was a uh, spicer okay so today's question it's a very simple question it's going to take us a little while to get through it because there's a lot of it but the very the simple question is who fucked up the worst in the last week? And hold on a second, hold on a second. <clears throat> this podcast may contain explicit language. Um, so uh, I had, you know, that, that's what the podcasts do now when they have explicit language, usually at the beginning. Do they, do they we, we say that? That's, yeah, yeah. that's more advanced than the podcast uh, crawlers tagging it with the little red E? I mean, I'll do that also. But um, Okay. But uh, so... Who fucked up the worst? Was it? We have three options. There are more. There are lots more. But uh, uh, but we're going to stick to three possible uh, candidates. One is Pepsi. Mm-hmm. One is United Airlines. Mm-hmm. And one is Sean Spicer slash the White House that he represents. Mm-hmm. Uh, or represented as of the time we were recording this. Like I said, people might be fired by tomorrow morning because of the stuff that's been going on, especially today. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's do these in order. Spoiler alert, Pepsi is not going to win. No, uh, because definitely they not. got totally outclassed when it came to PR screw-ups. Um, uh, but we, we couldn't have predicted that a week ago when Pepsi was riding high on the list of things that people were making fun of the most on Twitter. Um, so the way we're going to do this is, Ethan, you're going to introduce... I'm going to introduce uh, what the company is or the person mm-hmm. in the case of Spicer. You're going to explain what they did, and then we're going to decide how badly they fucked up. And we're going to, so my explanation is going to be like, I'm in engineering school right now. I'm not like, I'm not glued to, uh, I don't know what political news sites people read now. I don't keep up with this stuff like I used to. So I've gleaned most of what I know from Facebook. So I think what we're going to have to do is I'll tell you what my understanding of the story is. 
and then you can tell me where I am wrong. You could fill in the gaps in my understanding, and I'm sure that on at least a couple of these, I'm going to be way off. All right, let's do it. So we definitely didn't just add out, edit out a minute of the uh, the podcast uh, so that Ethan could go get uh, a, a, an alcoholic beverage to match my alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, you we just used the. F- you just used the force and just magicked it over to your desk. Um, so what are you drinking now? So um, I've got this is a, this may take a little bit of a story because most people in the world aren't going to know what this is. But you're familiar with Malort or Malert, I, right? I've heard of it. I don't think I've had it. So it's a it's a, a drink that's famous in Chicago, and basically it's just like grain alcohol that's infused with wormwood. Um, there was a brand in Chicago called, uh, everyone in Chicago calls it Jepson's. I guess it's Jepson's, um, that, uh, manufactured it in Chicago for a really long time. Uh, and they moved manufacturing some years ago to Florida. And a lot of people in Chicago were upset because it's like a, the type of drink that you can like places now it's, it's become a hip thing. So places will have it on tap for like $3 a shot. It's pretty weird. And it tastes really strong, really bitter, kind of earwaxy. And it's like a bitter that just sticks in your mouth and you can't get it out of your mouth. So there's a, a small craft uh, Chicago distiller called Leatherby that uh, created their own Mullert recipe. That it was, I guess it's much more complicated than just Wormwood. So maybe it's not too legit, but it tastes really good. Uh, and... Jepson's sued them and forced them to change the name of the drink from Malort to Besk. Uh, so now you have Leatherby Besk. And what I have is an original bottle of Leatherby Malort before the name change. Uh, so this is about three years old. This stuff does not get any better sitting there at all. So there's no significance to this being the original, except it's kind of cool that I have this label. So that's what I'm drinking. Um, does it this, get worse over time? Like, are you? Are it you just... really might. It might slightly reduce, so it might be a little stronger. This started off at fifty percent alcohol by volume, so it might be fifty-two now. But it's a school night. I'm not going to drink too much of it. Can, can you imagine us having this conversation twenty years ago? <laughs> How confused we would be right now if we lived twenty if we years ourselves? ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or like, or, or like fifteen, like when we were not maybe not of, of drinking age. Let's say thirteen when we were of drinking age, but had no idea, like, what what good alcohol was at all, or 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 in my case, didn't even drink. Um, I would believe we, we would be it so sooner than I would believe that Donald Trump is the president. I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so, so speaking of beverages, let's start with Pepsi. What did Pepsi do that that? Um, caused them to become the mockery of Twitter until United Airlines overtook them by being the mockery of Twitter. All right. So here's my understanding. Uh, Pepsi put out an ad in which they staged a, uh, a protest with a bunch of attractive white protesters with some, some token people of other races thrown in on like a, a picket line looking thing with signs they're holding up that had really super vague protest slogans on them. And there's cops that are like mounted up, like getting ready to bust heads. And there's about to be a showdown and Kendall Jenner deescalates the situation by, uh, 
approaching the cops and handing one of them like a Diet Pepsi. And Diet Pepsi solves uh, America's social ills or something like that. Did I get it right? Basically. Uh, so I have not actually seen the ad because I have a low tolerance for complete and abject public humiliation. But I did see a lot of the reaction to it on Twitter. And that's basically that's basically what happens. So, so there was a similar ad in a way that that I believe Coke ran during the NCAA tournament where a bunch of Kansas fans go over to a Kentucky fan's house to watch the uh, the tournament, and the Kentucky fan doesn't let them in because they're all wearing Kansas shirts. But then uh, they show him that they've got Coke. Um, in the real world, this would be some kind of alcoholic beverage, but but you know it's a Coke ad, so so you know go with it. Um, and so he lets them in, and they all watch the game together, and they become good friends. So like Pepsi must have seen that ad and been like, "What if we did this with like America's racial and social justice issues?" We could just bring everyone together with Pepsi. <laughs> and that's what they did with this ad. So this got absolutely just roasted on Twitter. I think Bernice King, the daughter of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, had this tweet that just slammed the uh, the uh, the ad, basically being like, you know, uh, if my dad had had a Pepsi, then... <laughs> the the world would have been so much easier and all the problems would have been solved and it it was just it was just a total misfire but you know like you know uh if if only you know the, the people had just offered pepsi to each other during civil rights po- protests then then everything would have been solved and and america's racial justice issues would go away so i mean this is a ridiculous ad and the fact that this isn't this is the third most embarrassing thing that happened in the last week out of out of 3 just shows how amazing the next two are well what sucks about it is that if you look at this from a a utterly cynical capitalist perspective it was a really good ad it got everyone talking about Pepsi. No one talks about Pepsi because Pepsi sucks. But we're talking about Pepsi now on a podcast that's about global politics. Um, and Pepsi's nasty. Don't buy Pepsi. But, yeah. The whole thing was kind of gross. I feel like the pile-on was almost part of the plan. Like, somebody must have known that this was pretty gauche. What? It just it just raises. I mean, it's it's like one of these sort of groupthink things where it's like you watch a, a movie, for example. I was just having this conversation the other day about why it is that that giant blockbuster movies have plots that don't make any sense, like the last couple of Star Trek movies, or like uh, how the last third of the Force Awakens was just literally ripped off of previous Star Wars movies. And like someone should have at somewhere in the bureaucracy should have caught this flagged it and and prevented it from happening but there's like these things develop a momentum of their own like yeah it's a great idea for kendall jenner to you know um solve america's race problems with pepsi and this won't offend anyone or be ridiculed like someone should have caught this and yet it's like uh the 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 pure force of a marketing campaign or a pr decision seems to overwhelm individual judgment yeah I mean, this is people who are are listening to this and have listened to my previous shows may know that I listened or I watch uh, professional wrestling, and uh, one of the most interesting things about professional wrestling 
uh, or one of my favorite reasons to watch is how often crazy shit happens that seems to be the product of the same type of process where it's like, you know that what's going on is so crazy that no one came to the table and said, Hey guys, I got this idea. And this was the idea. It was just, it was, it was late and people were tired and they were kind of spitballing ideas back and forth and things got out of hand and no one was like, wait, let's take a step back. I mean, this isn't quite maybe to that level. Cause I can see like from a cynical perspective and the perspective of somebody who doesn't understand protests and doesn't understand why this stuff happens. I get how it makes sense, but yeah, it's gross. It's gross. And it was technically an effective ad and that makes it even grosser. So Pepsi pulled this after a very, very short amount of time. Um, they they were the quickest to realize that they screwed up. I think like almost instantly, like almost as soon as I heard about this ad, Pepsi was was pulling it, and and you had to sort of go hunt to look for it. And I didn't want to do that, which is another reason why I have not seen it. So props to Pepsi to I guess for realizing their mistake uh, on the quicker side of things. So let's move on to United. What did so United did several things. So as a, as a lead up to this, they they. I mean, this is a, a company that has had some PR debacles over the last few years. Uh, United Breaks Guitars being a you know a top song on YouTube is if you go look up United Breaks Guitars if you want to know more about that. Uh, they just threw like uh, a couple of like ten year old girls off of a flight for wearing leggings a couple weeks ago. But but what they did, I guess it was on Sunday, but it really blew up yesterday. Takes the cake. So what mm-hmm. what did United do? Okay, um, so here's my understanding. United overbooked a flight, which the, a lot of the social media uproar has been like, fuck you, United, for overbooking your flight. But I think the truth is that basically all airlines do that. They just count on no-shows. I don't think any other airline would deal with it quite this poorly. Anyway, they overbook a flight, and everyone shows up, so they need to get three or four people off this flight. And I don't know if it's been reported how they choose who gets kicked off the flight, but one of the people they single out to, to boot from this flight is a 60-year-old guy, um, an Asian-American man, who they, uh, they ask him to get off the flight. He refuses to get off the flight. And maybe like there's some kind of language barrier. This I didn't understand. Um, so they get the Chicago police department involved. Chicago police enter the plane and forcibly grab the guy and drag him out of his seat, drag him through the aisle and off the flight. In the process, they bash his face on something. So his face is bloody. He's bleeding from his lips and nose. And it's just a total disaster. And uh, they just like wrecked this 60-year-old man. And uh, there's like photos and maybe video i don't know if there's video um there is video there's video god uh and they address it on in a press uh a press release or on social media in which some bigwig at united says that they um they apologize to the passengers that they had to reaccommodate and uh it's unfortunate they'll be investigating the incident uh, which was fun because then uh, Twitter decided that 
reaccommodation is uh, a cool way to uh, say that you're going to whip someone's ass. <laughs> yeah, so so um, I, I think the the winner in that regard was Joe Thomas, a, a lineman for the Cleveland Browns tweeted, hey, United, I once had to reaccommodate somebody and showed a picture of him just like body slamming a Pittsburgh linebacker to the ground. (laughs) That was, yeah, so basically, um, not only did United pull this poor man off the flight and and bludgeon him in the process, not only did they do this, and not only did they do this not because they'd overbooked for too many passengers, but because they needed to get their own personnel onto the plane so that they could go from Chicago to Louisville, uh, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is close enough that they definitely, you know, to, for the next flight, they definitely could have put them in, like, a shuttle bus and dri- driven them down there or done almost anything besides what they actually did. But uh, they 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 offered voucher, or they offered, like, you know, $800 and a night in a hotel. Nobody bought. So they, they were like, four people must get off the plane. And three people were okay, you know, reluctantly went. But this guy was like, no, I'm a doctor. I have to, op- you know, I have to, like, see patients tomorrow at home. And I need to go home. I, I'm not getting off the plane. So they forcibly moved him off the plane. All you need to know about how slow United's reaction to this was the Chicago Police Department understood that this, was, this, this wasn't cool. And like, you know, immediately, uh, you know, sidelined one of their people who was involved pending in, you know, an investigation into what happened. Whereas United's initial reaction was, yeah, we're sorry we had to reaccommodate passengers because of an unruly passenger. And then the next morning they doubled down and said this passenger was unruly and disruptive and all of a sudden media comp- uh, outlets started, you know, certain media outlets uh, started implying that they had knowledge about the unsavory past of the doctor, almost as if someone had done opposition research against him. And no, I mean, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is too bad because it's like what it, it, it would be like if you got, if somebody beat the shit out of you, um, and then when you were trying to press charges against this person who beat your ass, somebody dug into like your internet search history from 1996 and were like, you, you, this guy got his ass kicked, but let's t- talk about the porn that he watched. And like, I, I don't, I haven't really read about what they dug up on this guy. Who cares? Thank you. That's some shit that he was not doing in the moment. This was just like a dude who the cops beat his ass for no reason. And this, I, I feel like what gets lost in this story is that we're talking about this as if it makes United Airlines look bad. And it does. Their response to it was totally despicable, totally pathetic, just tone-deaf, idiotic, like, hilariously awful, and their stock has, at least in the very short term, taken a huge hit because of it. But this, to me, really, it's a police violence story. It's, the police were called, and they beat the shit out of a person of color. Uh, that's what it is. This wasn't the, like United Airlines' own goons doing this. This was the Chicago PD. Fuck the police. Well, without yeah, I mean, without going, I mean, again, without without going too much into the the issue of of you know police violence. This is the Chicago Police Department we're talking about, which um, has its own, let's just say, history of not responding super well to incidents where officers used excessive force. Um, mm-hmm. so the fact that they realized that this was not good 
before United did. United finally apologized, and their their CEO Oscar Munoz um, apologized profusely on the third statement he released. <laughs> but um, meanwhile, Twitter just just eviscerated United Airlines, as did the stock market. They lost at one point; their stock was down like a billion dollars. <laughs> today because of this uh, and to think all they had to do was offer like a little more money to someone to get like or just act in a vaguely human or humane way towards this incident and none of this would have happened um uh, apparently there are multiple i've seen multiple tweets about various things that other airlines were doing uh in response to this so like on one southwest flight apparently the flight attendant gets up and says we need four volunteers to... Nah, just kidding. And then another one, um, they say, welcome to uh, you know this airline where we beat the competition, not our customers. And like people yeah. were tweeting like, oh my God, my flight is overbooked. They're saying people need to volunteer. Scared. Like this should not... This sh- how, like this should not happen. And if it does happen, yeah. then... People should immediately realize that it's a problem. The fact that they, I mean, the fact that they've had so many PR disasters and the fact that it took them this long to realize that this is unacceptable shows that there's like a deep corporate culture problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Shout out to my dad who himself is uh, uh, an Asian man around the neighborhood of 60 years old who is not a guy who usually dispenses a whole lot of internet snark, but uh, he posted about this... um, like I've got a suggestion. If you don't want to be uh, reaccommodated, you could just reaccommodate yourself to another airline. And apparently, he was he was upset with some uh, much more minor transgressions that uh, United committed against him, like shrinking the seat sizes in coach. So he canceled all his uh, like he had a you know a bunch of United miles and canceled his whole his whole shit a few months ago. And dodged a beating, I guess. Oh, he could have he could have just had the shit kicked out of him. But the thing is that there's been so much consolidation in the airline industry that people who are like, I'm never flying United again. Well, good luck with that. There's only like three airlines left in America, basically, on many of these yeah. major routes. It's like United American and uh I don't know, Spirit. Like there's not a lot of options because there's been so much consolidation in the industry. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm prepared to just decry like all the all the parties, uh, governmental and corporate parties that we're talking about today. I'm prepared to just decry all of them. I mean, decrying Sean Spicer and the Trump administration is a no-brainer. But Pepsi sucks. Pepsi is way too sweet. Drinks like that are too sweet to begin with. Why would you drink Pepsi? It's gross. Like, fuck the Coca-Cola brand. But let's be real, it's a better drink than pepsi and so is rc rc is better than pepsi also fuck the cpd fuck the police in general and uh united airlines horrible airline if you're gonna fly one of like the big established airlines then i would say that i've had the best experiences with delta i'm sure that they do a bunch of fucked up stuff too but i generally have a better experience on delta well it's like it's like the conversation Um, that we were having with um uh when when uber was going through all these scandals and i was like i switched to lyft and you were like i'm not sure like what are the odds that lyft is actually a better company well yeah Uh, it's like lyft is also like fuck lyft too but that was like that was about proving to these companies as a like 
proving to this like sphere of corporate America that like if you fuck with us, we will cost you a shit ton of money. So I was on board with okay. that boycott. So, 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 and so you I have can't to, you I have can't to, just say that you're not gonna fly at all. But I mean, uh, Southwest is is pretty cool. They've um, done some fucked yeah. up stuff too. They all have. Southwest is cool. Well, yeah, and I mean, part of this is part of the moral of the story is like when anything gets so big, it starts to uh, to do things that are just the the scale of what it's doing means that it starts to do inhumane stuff. Uh, on the soft drink issue, I'm going to have to take your word for it because I don't actually drink soft drinks. Uh, on the police issue, I mean, uh, I don't know. I feel like most police officers are actually like pretty decent human beings and do their jobs pretty well. But fuck them. Oh fuck God. the police. I don't know. And it's one of these things, you know, I don't want to go down a complete rabbit hole here, but it, the way, the way I feel about it is like every interaction that I've ever had with police officers is, has been exemplary. And that's because I you're, that's, I know a that's young not, white man who like, I, I know, you know, I know, I know. has so, a couple so, sharp shirts. It's more like, I feel that I am concerned that not everyone in America gets the same treatment that I do. But, uh, and what's but I don't, there's I don't another think that indicts an entire profession. Well, I do, but uh, to move on, there's I think there's another interesting racial angle to this story, which, by the way, is not even my pick for the worst, which gives away the end of this podcast. But um, I think that um, this was pointed out by uh, a Facebook friend of mine who's from Hong Kong, is that in America, and I guess maybe to some extent in Europe, the sort of the brand of racism that's leveled against uh, Asian people is different than the racism against black people. People sort of automatically assume that Asian people are going to be like soft-mannered, genial, smart, successful. They're going to be easy to deal with and kind of pushovers. Like there's historically been like a big uh, desexualization of Asian people in America and in Western media. And I think that of course is, is tied up with like people seeing Asians as kind of like impotent people in general. So I would say that there is a non-zero possibility that they chose this guy out of the four to boot off this flight or out of the number of people that they could have booted off the flight because they thought that it would be easy and it wasn't. Yeah, now they, they said that they randomly selected four people when no one volunteered. Nobody uh, randomly how. selects anything. That's we always bullshit. They, yeah. Okay. So um, let's, I, I mean, <laughs> there are so many more things we could say about this, this United debacle. Um, but let's move on to what I am pretty sure we both are going to decide actually wins the ultimate question here, which is who fucked up the most. So -hmm. let's go to Sean Spicer. Before we do that, uh, let's note the time of year that this took place in. Happy Passover. Thank you. Happy Passover to you. I'm I'm going to uh, Seder celebration this weekend. I I think I'm going to make a uh, a Sephardic haroset for it. Which I'm excited about. I've never made that. <laughs> you, you, you know who isn't Donald Trump. Um, so let's talk about what 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 Sean Spicer said uh, at his press conference today. Uh, so this was right. So, so I was, you know, I, I was on my lunch hour and and I was I was you know checking Twitter because it was just 
watching United flail and utterly fail to recognize the the monumental fuckuppery of what they had done, even as their stock price plummeted, even as Twitter roasted them, even as, as people have you have you heard of this thing on Twitter called the 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 I forget what it's exactly it's called. It's like the the um, the Twitter ratio rule where mm. you the ratio of uh, retweets and like and likes versus versus responses mm-hmm. where people are replying if, if the number of because there's no way to dislike so when people dislike they it means they, they usually do it by replying to your tweet yeah. so if mm-hmm. the number of replies greatly exceeds the number of likes and retweets that means that you've screwed up in some way and with the united initial statement it was the ratio was like 10 to 1 <laughs> it was like everyone was re- responding like are you kidding me <laughs> reaccommodated Whereas i'm gonna no find one, like, i'm gonna find no sean one. spicer's twitter right now yeah. <laughs> so what did what did sean spicer do to to take the cake because this ha- this came in during his press briefing right as united airlines was imploding um mm-hmm. I have a side note that I have to say. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing that's really amazed me over the last few years, like the degree of customer service in airlines has deteriorated dramatically, but at the same time, the level of safety has gone up in a big way. Like we haven't had a, a you know, a knock on wood, we haven't had a, a fatal uh, air, cra- air, air crash of a commercial flight in the United States, you know, a, you know, a continent, you know, a, a, a yeah. you know, within the United States since mm-hmm. like 2008 or 2009 or something like that. It's, it's really amazing how safe and professional these airlines have gotten. And at the same time, as they are, they have accomplished this remarkable thing, which would have been unthinkable in any previous era of, of aviation. Um, they treat their customers like crap. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I mean, I'm. We have. We're both people who, in the past and maybe still in the present, have indulged in a little bit of uh, sports superstition. So I don't want to tempt fate by talking about how safe it is to fly on a plane. But uh, I did hear some sort of factoid uh, that uh, apparently being on a plane in the air on a plane is by the numbers the safest place you can be in America which is totally fucked up like you're in the least mortal danger when you're on an actual plane um which is super yeah, I mean, cool don't, don't get, yeah don't get me wrong i'm terrified of flying uh, every time i think i get on a plane or even for that matter like a car or even a bicycle i'm pretty convinced i'm going to die but mm-hmm. um but one has to acknowledge the statistics and they don't bear that out. Right. And they have found a way to uh, compensate for the safety of flying by taking days, hours off your life every time you fly because you get just that much closer to having a fucking aneurysm because it's a hideous experience, which, like, it's, you know, it's it's amazing that we can spend, like, what's not a ruinous amount of money and we just, like, end up across the world like great but it's an undignified process okay so let's speaking of undignified let's move on to sean spicer who we can say in advance before we even get to what he did sean spicer wins 
<laughs> the biggest fuck up of, of the week. And I think admitted it um, pretty openly in his apology hours before uh, we recorded this. Uh, but we'll get there. So what did Sean Spicer do? So as I understand it, Sean Spicer was, uh, he's trying to sort of explain why Donald Trump had to take action against Syria. Um, and to, uh, make this point, he, what's, what's the rule where once you invoke Hitler, you've already lost. I don't remember the God name of that rule. Law. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he does that and he says that like, look, Ashad, I think he called him Ashad. Is that right? I believe he, he used the wrong name for him, uh, but I'll use the right one. I think he said that Assad used chemical weapons and even Hitler didn't use chemical weapons. And of course, like anyone who's ever like read a book or a newspaper is like, wait a minute. What about how Hitler and the Nazi party exterminated six plus million Jews largely by uh, sending them to gas chambers in concentration camps? And... Uh, or, or, or as Spicer accidentally called them, uh, Holocaust centers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like a museum to commemorate their efforts. It's the Holocaust center. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that was basic, that was basically what happened. He said, yeah. We're even, both even, Jewish, by the way. I, I yeah. know people, people know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If they didn't, they do now. Um, yeah. Yeah, he he said even Hitler didn't didn't stoop to using chemical weapons. Now, a lot of people are like, you know, he denied the Holocaust. That's not really what happened. It's more like he accidentally denied the Holocaust. So it's like a corollary to Godwin's law, where it's like if you invoke Hitler, you know, the longer the conversation goes on, the more likely someone is to invoking Hitler. Um, if they do so, they automatically lose the debate. But then if you continue to build on the hyperbole of having invoked the Holocaust to the point that you accidentally deny the Holocaust by saying that whatever happens now is worse or unprecedented, that's like, that's like a, another level of Godwin's law that we, that we seldom see. And Spicer got there in a white house press briefing. And just to like, you know, make it clear how, utterly unnecessary this is and how someone who would be a competent press officer would not do this sort of thing. And be, don't get me wrong, being a press officer is a really hard job and I would not want to do it. Um, but later on in the day, uh, James Mattis had an interview where he basically made the same point, but correctly, where he said Hitler did not use uh, chemical weapons on the battlefield, which is generally true. Um, so... Spicer could have done that, but instead he just flailed and tried to clarify himself, at which point he used the term Holocaust centers and explained how it was different than what Assad was doing. And then later on, he attempted to do another clarification and then another one. And then the thing that we're supposed to be upset about is not that is not that Assad chose the wrong scenario in which to use chemical weapons. We wouldn't be happier if he rounded people up into death camps and used them. We would still be pretty upset, or I guess we should be. So, so like the, the various people, including Nancy Pelosi, I think like the Anne Frank Center called on him to resign because of what he had said. But to me, that was I think that what really sort of demonstrated that it was not ill intent and just incompetence was what he said during his. So finally. 
after several hours of flailing, he went on Wolf Blitzer's show and apologized profusely and just, oh, okay. and just See, said what he should I have said that from just the beginning, which That's... was, I screwed up. Um, yeah. But even then... He he misspoke and he said I don't he said something to the effect of I'm going to paraphrase but the last few words are word for word he said I don't want this to interfere from Trump's uh, actions in the Middle East and his attempts to destabilize the region (laughs) 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 this happened (laughs) this is the press secretary of the White House. (laughs) When when this administration came into office, we recorded a podcast in which I feel, in hindsight, that I was kind of incoherent because I was just trying to grapple with what had happened in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we were very concerned about various aspects of this administration and how what kind of damage they could do. And they, they could, and in some cases they have. But... Instead, they're just a bunch of dumb motherfuckers. They can't get shit done. They're fucking stupid. It, well, th- that's yeah. Like th- that's the thing is that that really strikes me about it is that it's somehow you know people are saying Spicer should be fired. I mean, first of all, he he no. obviously it yeah. Uh, he it's reassuring to have him in there because no one. I mean, his credibility has already been lost because he's had to say so many untrue things. Um, like, you know, the first couple days he was doing it, people were like, oh, my God, this is like, you know, uh, this is the propaganda state and truth doesn't matter anymore. But instead what happened is, I mean, and maybe, you know, Trump, you know, the 40% of America who who were diehard Trump supporters are still diehard Trump supporters and he's still got 40% approval rating. But basically everybody else looks at this and is just like, this guy has no credibility and it's so comical. It's almost endearing at this point. Like a, a much more skilled liar would, would scare me a lot more in that position. So I hope that he doesn't step down. And in his defense, he did not intend to deny the Holocaust. He just did it by accident by stepping on his own feet. Um... And and that's been the sort of Sean Spicer uh, modus operandi, pretty much uh, from you know from the time that he stepped into office. So mm-hmm. you know, and, and Trump spends you know every weekend golfing, and and I'm sort of like maybe these guys will just talk a big game and and kind of not have the chops to do all the things or most of the things that they want to do and and the kind of and and there's also this this degree to which you know in the past week we've seen you know steve bannon sidelined and removed from the national security council and we've seen jared kushner assume vast powers and so the vaguely incompetent nepotism just seems so much more uh reassuring than the nefarious white nationalism so it's like a step in the right direction i think that that and also i mean don't get me wrong there's like competent you know like people like mattis you know the adults are kind of taking control a little bit and so like you see that with for example uh and and here we're actually getting into international affairs for the first time on this podcast which is ostensibly about international affairs but you see this with the way that for example and i don't want to demean these two people uh, Rex Tillerson and Nikki Haley talk about the Assad regime and how it needs to go and how it's time for it to go and how U.S. policy is now that we no longer accept that uh, Assad has any future in Syria. Whereas Mattis and you know, like the defense, the military people 
are going around saying, look, this strike was only about chemical weapons. It was to enforce the rule that there should be no chemical weapons used anywhere in the world, that there will be punishment and consequences if you use chemical weapons. And that's all we're doing. We're not trying to change the status quo in Syria. Our Syria policy has not changed. We're still going after ISIS. We're not going after Assad. We're not going to do anything crazy or stupid. Um, and, and so it seems like like the adults are increasingly getting their hands on the reins of power in this administration. So like, maybe it won't be so bad. Well, I mean, I think that, uh, except for Jeff Sessions, I think what we need is we need a video by, um, the animators that work for whatever Taiwanese uh, media organization to yes. make a video of, of, uh, storm Nazi stormtroopers kindly ushering people into, uh, the Nazi centers, which are like, you know, kind of nice retirement homes with like nice cream colored couches and a lot of soft light. That's what we need. Well, and it just shows, I mean, there is a reason why Godwin's law exists and a reason why Spicer wins, even though he didn't actually bludgeon anyone in the face, unlike United Airlines who did. Um, <laughs> but, I'm but an actually, I'm, I'm changing my vote. You're going with United Airlines? No, I'm not going with United Airlines. This is a bit of a swerve. Um, so I think that obviously if if we were talking about the Trump administration as a whole, like they take it all. They're going to take it all every time until they're out of there. And I hope they're out of there inside the four years that they're supposed to be there. But we're talking about Spicer and like, great. I think what he did is great. He's a laughing stock. He's a total dumb piece of shit. Like he's so bad at his job and this is what I want. I want this administration to absolutely fail at communicating its message. And that's exactly what happened. So good job, Sean Spicer. Keep, keep on doing what you're doing. Uh, United Airlines, um, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Fuck United Airlines. Fuck all the other airlines. Southwest... I have had a good experience on Southwest for what that's worth. Um, but fuck United <laughs> Airlines. Fuck them for overbooking. Fuck it all. Um, but uh, I think the my pick for the winner, for the shittiest person this week, is the Chicago PD. They're the ones that beat this guy's ass. I do have to close. Since you've chosen the police department over Sean Spicer, I still think Sean Spicer wins for accidentally denying the Holocaust, uh, you know, during Passover. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's so and, funny. And- <laughs> Everyone thinks it's so funny. Like, and he didn't actually, he didn't, he didn't personally send anyone into a Holocaust center. Like, you know, he just, he's just a fucking idiot. Like, the only party here that actually busted someone's shit is the Chicago PD. So that's why I have to give it to them. Like, Sean Spicer's so I, performance yeah. here plays into what I want from this administration, which is just more dumb bullshit. But since you have chosen the Chicago Police Department, let me read in its entirety a statement uh, that was released by the Chicago Police Department Office of Communications because this was the part that we left out. Because, again, they did actually take like action against one of the, the officers who was involved. But before they did that, they released this statement. At approximately 6 o'clock p.m., 
A 69-year-old male Asian airline passenger became irate after he was asked to disembark from a flight that was oversold. The passenger in question began yelling to voice his displeasure, at which point aviation police were summoned. Aviation officers arrived on scene, attempted to carry the individual off of the flight when he fell. His head subsequently struck an armrest, causing injuries to his face. The man was taken to Lutheran General Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, ongoing investigation, end quote. Um, I, uh, That's what people I mean, say when they beat their spouse. He fell. I mean, I guess there's a video, so maybe we do know for sure. I haven't seen the video. He did not I'm not going to watch like, it. In the video, it is clear that he did not fall. Like this, I, again, like th- this has been emphasized over and over again by people who who have seen the video. Like it's pretty clear that he is his face is knocked against the armrest as he is bodily removed from the plane. Yeah. the th- The theme of this podcast is is that there's just a lot of dumb people in America. There's a lot of dumb people who, I mean, we're dumb, I guess, for for this Kendall Jenner ad and because of it we just talk about Pepsi all the time it's a couple weeks later we're still talking about Pepsi um and I'm like talking about how good RC Cola is fuck all those companies um and of course the administration is dumb Sean Spicer is dumb we're dumb for letting this happen for letting these people get in power but especially Sean Spicer just a dumb motherfucker keep on doing what you're doing Sean Spicer and then uh yeah, we're dumb for, I mean, maybe not us two personally, but we collectively are dumb for ever believing that when somebody is involved with some kind of interaction with the police and they either get their shit busted, their face smashed in, or they get killed, that the default belief is not that the police were on some juvenile power trip and they did this because it's legal for them to do it because they can legally beat people. Well, I, well, I, w- I want to stress, I want to stress that like, you know, one of the reasons why United acted the way they did and reacted the way they did was because by rights, they totally have the right to forcibly remove this guy. I mean, it was super dumb to let everyone board and then do it, but they have, there's nothing, there's no law against them overbooking. There's no law against them forcibly removing people from planes uh and uh they have the right to kick a passenger off if they you know uh refuse to follow instructions uh so in their view they did nothing wrong and that's why the initial statement was like i commend you know the united staff for acting professionally and then this passenger was unruly and totally had it coming and then finally after a billion dollars in stock market value vanished i'm really sorry we will fix this um yeah, that's I think that that that's the the moral of the story is like when when you have a lot of power, uh, you tend to become oblivious to uh, the consequences of the things that you do on actual humans, and you tend to. Uh, this was another thing that I saw over and over again. Individual humans tend to wind up supporting. You know, it's the old where you stand is where you sit theory, which on our previous podcast, we kind of shot down uh, because Rex Tillerson is overseeing a dismantling of the State Department and doesn't seem to mind. Um, But the whole idea of like, you know, if you work for this organization, you will represent this organization and you will represent the company and be an agent of the company, not uh, a human being who wants to resolve matters in a way that will satisfy actual human beings. And so the moral of the story is treat human beings decently 
like human beings the way you would like to be treated and fuck ups like this will not happen. Also don't invoke Godwin's law. You don't need the Hitler analogy to prove that Bashar al-Assad is a bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Chang, thank you for coming on the podcast on such short notice. Um, uh, we, I decided about two hours before we recorded that, Oh my God, I had to do a podcast episode because today was completely insane. And, uh, and you and we save call, lives so. by doing this emergency podcast. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a real, it was a real emergency. I had to talk about this <laughs> with someone. <laughs> it was just a completely insane day. Um, so, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for, for coming on the podcast. Um, you can find the mm-hmm. podcast online at, uh, com slash podcast. That's J O E G E N I.com slash podcast podcast you can subscribe for free in the itunes store or on any other uh venue where uh podcasts are disseminated uh and uh, particularly on itunes it would be great if you left us a review there are uh, some uh uh you can you can do that uh there are a couple of reviews up already reviews help spread the word about the podcast remember when we started uh our first podcast uh in like 2008 or something like that. And we Mm -hmm. got like three iTunes reviews and suddenly became on the iTunes new and notable. And we were like, I think the way you put it was we were within six months of being famous. If we'd started six months earlier, we would have been like, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's actually more like a year. Like some of the most famous podcasters started about a year before we started. What I was noticing though, is that at the time my like views and the way that I presented them were I guess in my mind, and maybe maybe you agreed, like they they were they were like in the pocket where I could be like the host of a podcast, and I could be like, you know, the first person who speaks and the person who introduces topics. And I feel like I couldn't do that anymore. I feel like now I'm a crazy side character. I've changed. I I, I feel like people. I don't know. I was talking to some friends recently like that that's kind of a natural part of growing up is that your your views evolve like at the time i feel like i was a bit more shrill on politics and i would i would go off on these rants about you know the middle east peace process whereas today it's sort of like like i can't rant because i just sort of feel i don't know too much empathy for for everyone involved even when i think they're making terrible decisions and doing terrible things and so uh i feel like i've i've become more uh kind of I hate the term moderate because what does it mean? And it's also inherently pejorative of anyone who's not moderate. Um, but I feel like I've, I've become more kind of like uh, more uh, kind of like how you, you have moved away from being the kind of person who like hosts and asks questions. I've become that person. I just want to know more. And, uh, and I feel less confident in my own opinions. Whereas today, like unlike in previous iterations of you you just have no patience for injustice of any kind and you're just like fuck these people as as we've heard over and over again on this podcast yeah i guess instead of moderate i feel like maybe like even keel would be the better word because moderate in america just means like i've decided that my views are right in between the views of these two different brands of neoliberal, neo, neoliberalism. Like it's, it's, it's a viewpoint that makes no sense. Yeah. It, it just slays me when people are like, I'm, I'm socially, or I'm fiscally conservative, but, but socially liberal. I'm just sort of like, well, I am California. You know. I want, I want all the social services and anytime 
we raise the uh, the facts about how much it'll cost, I plug my ears. Ethan, thank you once again for coming on the podcast and uh, uh, hope to have you and uh, and a reunion with Ronnie who couldn't be here tonight because he has small children he has to deal with um, uh, very soon. You're very welcome. Uh, and if people want to uh, follow more of me other than just this podcast and me showing up here once every six months to a year, uh, I'm on Twitter at Ethan Cheng, C-H-E-N-G except I mostly tweet about NBA basketball and pro wrestling. So, Those are both really good topics. Um, the wrestling, I can't contribute to at all. Um, I know nothing about professional wrestling. Everything that I know about professional wrestling was at one time where I was hanging out at your house when we were like 18 years old, and I saw one guy attack another guy with a pizza cutter which I thought mm-hmm. was the most yeah. hilarious thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I figured I didn't need to know anything about wrestling uh, about that ever again until people from wrestling started entering the political arena, like Jesse Ventura led the way. And then, so, all right. So as long as I've got you on the podcast, because I want to, I want to answer this one more time. Uh, I, I want to have this answered once and for all. Um, you had said on the previous episode that Donald Trump was a wrestling baby face. Everyone knows yes. what a wrestling heel is, but not everyone knows what a wrestling babyface is. Well, it's what is the a opposite of a heel. Face? It's the good guy. That's a babyface? I, yeah. I thought it was like a novice or something. No, no, no. Babyface as in like it's the person with like with the clean look who's like, you know, just kind of like a nice boy who who I, I that term probably comes from the, the wrestling territories that were governed sort of by heels, like where the heel usually had the belt. So they would bring in these, like, you know, nice-looking white boys, and they would generate a lot of heat, like, generate a lot of audience anger for the heel by having the heel in a dastardly, lying, cheating, and stealing fashion, uh, dashing the hopes of, of these, like, you know, guys who look like young Brett Favre, like, guys with nice, square American jaw. Good old boys. Babyface. Okay, that's Donald so Trump. That's what they brought Donald Trump on to be. That that's just so weird. Yeah, I mean, people liked him at the time because of The Apprentice, I guess. And people really like Vince McMahon is probably the most successful heel in the history of pro wrestling, and they positioned Trump against Vince McMahon, so it was kind of a no-brainer. Vince McMahon got his hair cut off on pay-per-view, like that was the big payoff. People loved it, but fuck Donald Trump. Okay, and on that note, because I, I promised you when I was like, you should come on the podcast that this would be, you know, a half an hour episode tops. I should have known better. So I don't know anything about wrestling, but uh, we should do, be, because this is my podcast and I can do anything I want with it, um, we should do a pro basketball, like, I don't know, like a playoff preview or something like that, because it's, it's a fucking amazing season. Can I do my one-sentence pro basketball preview right now that's not going to make any sense to anyone listening to this two months out or any further? Okay, fine. I think there's a chance. A chance. That the Wizards win the NBA championship. You think so? Just a little chance. But if it happens... Man, this is going to be a treasure, this podcast. So I've actually been to uh, a couple of Wizards games, and I think they're good, 
And I think they could even make the finals this year just because the East is such a hot mess all of a sudden. But I have not seen them put on that gear that they would need to beat whoever comes out of the West. So I'm not sure if I'm I'm not sure if I'm buying it, but I do think this is a chance to be the best Washington basketball season of our lifetimes because they've basically sucked for our entire lifetimes. Yeah, it's possible. I have more to say about it, but we'll have to wait until another time. I, I said one sentence only. Okay, fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to Ambassadors at Large. I know this is a weird episode, but it was, as I said, an emergency. We'll be back with another episode real soon. Until then, so long.